0: it's one thing I love more than getting my pitch over the plate. And that is getting over this plate in Casa Ole. It's like a fiesta in Casa Ole. Casa Ole, fresh today, every day. You get a free child's plate, with your sticker stuff from any Astros game. Casa Ole.
1: Leave it time time. It's episode 34. I'm James. He's Patrick. Patrick, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing wonderful. How are you doing?
1: I'm great. Uh, we are sponsored, as always, by Bravado Spice, and we have a... a go to bravadospice.com to get all of your hot sauce needs. Uh, our special guest should be getting a package here here fairly soon uh, from from the good sponsors. That they make the best hot sauce in the country, and I would stake... I don't know I'd stake my life on it. I'd stake somebody else's life on it.
2: Yeah, I would do the same. And I have a uh, a special announcement from the good people at Bravado them, themselves. Uh, they are giving Lima Time Time listeners 10% off all orders yes. on the website. Um, use the code TAKE10. And uh, if you order by December 20th, you will receive it before <laughs> Christmas. It's a really perfect gift for the people that you don't know what to get. Um, I got a whole bunch of it. I'm pretty much giving everybody the, uh, assortment of sauces. So it's a go-to, I vouch for it. So go to the website and, uh, use the code take 10 again and, uh, buy it. And maybe Santa will finally bring us that big bag of money.
1: That's right. Sacks of money. And, and also try to go to H-E-B and, and drop take 10 and see if they give you 10% off. Like it's a code word or something.
2: So <laughs> it <laughs> won't, it to. won't work.
1: Uh, we're really excited to have, uh, yet another special guest. We've had, we've had a lot of good guests and this, this is no different. Uh, you know, him if, if if you've been, if you've been in Houston for any amount of time, then, uh, or even if you don't live in Houston, but you follow Astro's coverage or you have followed Astro's Astros coverage over the past 15 years or so, then, then, you know, our special guest, he's now a columnist with the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Uh, so he went up north, went into uh, went into the devil's land, went into enemy territory to St. Louis. Uh, he is Jose de Jesus Ortiz. Uh, Jesus, how you doing? I'm doing well.
0: Thank you very much, guys, for inviting me. What an honor!
1: It is no, it's we are absolutely thrilled thrilled to have you on have you on the show because there's a bunch of stuff that you can you can speak about, but you don't have to get blowback from like the Chronicle or anything. So so we want to, and I mentioned this to you before, and I don't I don't think you were. I was being serious. We're gonna we're gonna try to set you up to where you get in trouble, and and see if you can get out of it without getting in trouble. Is that cool? Well, good luck with that, guys. Let's try to do it. All right, cool. Uh, let's start off talking about because it, it's that time of the year, uh, and you were the president of the Baseball Writers Association of America for for it, it, what, that was in the last three or four years, right? Uh, last year,
3: 2015.
1: Yeah, last year. So, so you were you were presiding over uh, all the baseball writers when they and one of the times that they did not elect Jeff Bagwell. What what is it like? How how is Bagwell not in the Hall of Fame? <laughs> well,
0: um, well, first of all, I have to mention that I've always voted for him, um, so he's always received my vote. Yeah. You're off the hook. Uh, I'm off the hook on that. And I'll also mention that I really do think this is the year. Um, I've been adamant. Um, I've actually reached out to a couple of guys who hadn't voted for him in the past and, uh, convinced them to vote for him this year. That's awesome. George, George Willis of the New York post, uh, a good friend of mine was the first, uh, to go public with his ballot. Um, I really do believe that he deserves to be in, and and I voted for him. What I will say is that, you know, it's it's no secret that uh, for some reason some voters uh, have not voted for for guys who who were part of the steroids era, um, and some sadly haven't. Um, You know, they haven't needed proof um, to to guess. Um, And and I think that has hurt uh, Jeff's um, path to the Hall of Fame. But, um, you know, I've always been adamant that he deserves it, that it's unfair to assume that somebody did something when when we have no proof. Uh, And there's not been a guy that I've covered in 20 years of covering Major League Baseball, uh, who I've respected more than Jeff Badwell. So, long story short, uh, I can't answer for the other voters, but I can tell you that that I think he deserves to be in, and that he's had my vote. And not only that, um, I've actually talked to a couple people and and try to. I, I'll get. i give you a little inside scoop here. okay? Yes. So I text message Jeff from time to time. And we exchanged it said, hey, Jeff, uh, you know, last year I was at the bathroom at NRG Stadium <laughs> at a Texans game, and my friend George Willis was in there. And I said, hey, George, um, I saw you doing vote well for Jeff Bagwell. Can I make the case for him? And, like, literally, like, we're walking into the urinal. It's kind of funny. It's like, <laughs> and, and he said, you know what? I'll vote for him next year. So I texted him. Uh, from NRG last year, I said, "Hey Jeff, my my pal George Willis is going to vote for you next year." So then when I saw George's ballot this year, I text message Jeff and said, "Hey, remember that text from the bathroom at NRG? Use <laughs> the ballot." And I and you know I I really have the utmost respect for Jeff Bagwell, and and I think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame and. And um, if I could put in a work
1: frame of other voters, I, I have done so. Do you, because, I mean, one of one of the things that that I like to do, and mainly it's just an exercise in working out rage, uh, is after the ballots, are, or as the ballots are released, kind of go through and see who people voted for. When you get, when, when there are voters that, that, and it's not just that they don't vote for Bagwell, but if, if they vote for Sosa and not Bagwell, or McGuire and not Bagwell, or... They're the one guy who votes for Rod Beck, and that's it, or you know some just a a ballot that is just preposterous in nature. Do they hear it from from other writers? like, is there Is there that kind of fraternity among the Baseball Writers Association that that you you or somebody would call them out and be like, "Your ballot was trash, bro?" Like, what are you even thinking?
0: Well I, it does happen. Uh, some have done it. I try not to um, because I have – I've seen the animosity. I've I've seen how some people have gone out of their way to rip other baseball writers. And in my opinion, if you've covered Major League Baseball for 10 years as a beat writer – Not as a columnist, not as guys who... Because, you know, some guys we give BBWA cards because they're columnists who never come out to the ballpark. Um, I'm not not talking about those guys. I'm talking about, like, uh, Evan Drellick, uh, Derek Gould here, uh, Mark Gonzalez, baseball writers, or even national baseball guys like Bob Nightingale. Mm -hmm. Those guys... I would never, ever say anything about their ballot. I would defend their ballots because anybody who's covered Major League Baseball for 10 consecutive years as a beat writer cares about the sport, cares about the people in the sport, and they just view things differently. One of my mentors in this game has never voted for Jeff Bagwell. Hmm. I disagree with him. I don't vote as he votes but that doesn't erase <clears throat> the fact that this friend is one of the baseball writers I respect the most in the business.
3: Okay. And by and, and it, let's just mention the, the the friend being Pedro Gomez um, <clears throat>
1: and and he he's gotten a lot of heat from some Astros fans in the past. Me, I have. I've given him yeah, And I
0: tell you and I tell you when I first met Pedro Gomez in nineteen ninety six, I was a young reporter at the Long Beach Press Telegram and they sent me Long Beach, California, by the way, they sent me to cover the Mets versus the Padres in Monterey, Mexico. Rob Parker, who made you know made his name nationally on ESPN. Claire Smith, whom we just elected as the
3: first spink women to win the Spink Award, Mm -hmm. she'll be honored in Hall of Fame week, and Pedro Gomez are
0: three people that took me under their wing. I met at that trip, took me under their wing, either uh, sent me back my clips or gave me advice. So these are three people that I pretty much owe my baseball writing career. So, hell no, I will never disrespect them by calling them out because they view things differently. Secondly, the ballot, unfortunately, because of some voters who refuse to vote for guys from the P.D. era who they suspect, we've had crowded ballots. So it makes it very difficult. I wish I had, I had 14 spots so that I could vote for 12 guys and feel very comfortable. Yeah. I'd love to vote for Mike Messina. I'd love to vote for everybody I think is worthy. Not only that, not only would I like to do it, but when I was president of the Baseball Writers Association of America, I was the president when a committee that we formed— that was comprised of some of the most respected Hall of Fame experts in America. Jay Jaffe from Sports Illustrated. Susan Slusser from the L.A. Um, San Francisco Chronicle. I mean, we're talking big-time folks, okay? Right. They did a study. We did a, we, we did a study. We sent a proposal to the Baseball Hall of Fame asking them, to let us extend our ballot to twelve. They said no. Well they didn't say no, they just didn't they they took our recommendation and didn't act on it. <laughs> so so what are we gonna do? We had our baseball rights association of America meeting last week in, in uh at the winter meetings outside of D C And I had to explain this in our meeting to to one of the guys from Detroit, and I really wish baseball writers, fans, everybody understood that this, although the BBWA votes, we serve at the mercy of the Hall of Fame. Right. This is their election. They decide who votes.
2: They decide how we vote. Ah, it's a very electoral college of them.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, so it's it's not we don't make the decisions. They decide how we vote and they've said you could only vote for up to 10. So therefore, you know, that's what we do. And I think that has affected uh Bagwells Vote count, and I think it may have even hurt Israel. The one year that he was the top vote getter, and nobody got in.
1: Yeah, that's right. He was like two votes, two votes shy. I remember that. Yeah, two votes shy. Actually, that was the second year. That was the second year. But that's, you get my point? Yeah, that's interesting because the president of the Hall of Fame was my old was my old boss. So I might have to I might have to give old Jeff a call and be like, "Dude, what's up?" Like why, why? Yeah, he's
3: gonna, he's gonna tell you the
0: same thing. He's told us it, it works. The system works, and I'll tell you, I just have the same. because went to lunch with him at the Hall of Fame. We with him at the Hall of Fame, and we we talked about this. This was January twenty six, two thousand five. On uh, my wedding anniversary, I had dinner with him in Cooperstown instead of in Houston with my wife. But he has a saying. <laughs> nice. He has a saying that you know you can argue about guys that didn't get in,
2: but very few people can argue with the guys who got in.
1: That's a good point. I mean, there's, I mean, there's a couple that that come to mind, but. But overall, I mean it's I, I guess I'm more I, I don't know how you feel about this, Pat. I'm more of a small Hall of Fame kind of guy. I, I, I like too. I like that it's not the pro football hall of fame that basically if, if people remember you fifteen years later, you're you're in. Um I just I, I guess like any other American, I, I want the system to work for me and to serve my purposes and my and meet my aims and then they can do it. Yeah,
2: I think they, they do treat it like that. That's why we have these issues, is that people treat it. It's uh, it's such an exclusive fraternity of players that you just can't be a good player to get in. You have to be at that next level. Um, and to circle back to what you said about the PEDs, uh, I don't know. I'm, I want to speak for myself, and I, I don't know what the popular opinion is, but I would think that there would be people that agree with me. That even as a baseball fan, it was so rampant, and everybody was doing it. Who really cares? Is that? I mean, I understand the integrity of the game and all that stuff, but really, who cares? Does that? I mean, are people ever going to move on from that? Like Barry Bonds, he was. Legit, I mean, what are we? What are we really talking about? Well,
0: this is what I say to that. Okay. I know people care. A lot of people care. The only issue with that is I'm not naive enough to believe that we haven't already voted for guys who use PEDs. Right, right. <clears throat> so, I've always said this. I've been consistent. I can't tell who is using and who wasn't. Therefore, I'm going to vote for them based on how they compared to their peers. I've never voted for Mark McGuire because his only gift was enhanced. I agree with that, and, 100%. And we know, okay? So, therefore, I've never voted for Palmero. His uh, got caught Right. Boom. I'll never vote for Manny Ramirez. He got banged
2: after they started testing. Twice. But but he's one of the best hitters Thank of all you. time. I, I agree with you and I understand why you wouldn't vote for him, so I'm not this isn't an arguing point, but I think Manny's one of the greatest of all time. But I, I respect that stance in, in that sense. Why
0: why do you think why do you think that? Let's let's have this argument right now. Why do you think
2: Manny Ramirez is one of the greatest of all time? I just—he just was a hitting machine. He could hit anywhere to anywhere in the field. I mean, I don't view Manny Ramirez as this superpower guy. He just raked. I don't know. I, I've always guy, liked right? Manny. I, but again, I respect the stance that he's been caught and it's documented. So if if that's what we're doing, then I I agree with you. But I I put him in the Barry Bonds category where Barry Bonds, if he never, well, we don't, you know, if he never took any PEDs or enhanced himself in any way, he was still going to be an all-time hitter. How do we know that? that that's like we we, we that don't, but, place. I mean, he was that's a, what I'm a, like, still he, a great player. Skinnyberry Bonds was my good. Point, <laughs> my point is, a lot
0: of people, and, and, and hear me out and tell me what you think here, okay? A lot of people say make this argument, which is the one you just made.
3: Okay. Well, we know that
0: Barry didn't start using. Hell no, we don't know. Nobody knows when he started or if he did. We know he, he did. No, he did. Okay. But we don't know when he started. Right, we right. We don't know when A Rod started. We just right. know when people started speculating. We just know when Balco started. Yeah. So, what I don't want to do, and what I've tried really hard not to do, is try to guess when, for for how long and just vote by stats. And I do believe that the Hall of Fame is not complete without Barry Bags. I think the Hall of Fame is not complete without Roger Comets.
2: I I agree with that. And see, and that's where my argument (laughs) kind of switches because I have a huge problem with the speculation, uh, specifically with Bags. A guy that there was never any talk. It was there was never an issue. There was just people like, oh, he was. It was just like thrown out there. And I and I have a really big problem with just throwing that out there. You can't just accuse people of doing things that's out of nowhere. That's, so that's where I have the big problem with the, with the speculation.
1: The, yeah, that's slander. I mean, if you just if if I if I said if I if I recorded like a a show and didn't tell Pat and we're uh, like you know what Pat did let me let me tell you what Pat did Pat I probably did it though <laughs> but if i came up with something that was so damaging it, it was just it was just a personal <laughs> attack that that damaged your reputation then that's that's slander that's libel i mean that's what, the speculating well, just speculating and well
2: you could but the vote is their prerogative, though. So that's where, like, and they have every right to to think that and to keep them out. I don't agree with it, but like you said, like, they earn the right to make their vote and to have their opinion. So, I think Baggy should get in this year and should be a Hall of Famer. But I can't, I can't hold those guys accountable. That if that's their litmus isn't the right word. If that's whatever. If that's their uh, whatever. Their uh, I, I'm I can't think right now they're prerogative they're They're prerogative prerogative. or if that's their stance and and that's how they want to vote i I, you got to respect that vote even if you don't agree with it
0: right and and at least from my perspective you know uh, i've always tried to respect everybody's opinion i got a lot of heat uh three years ago i think three years ago uh, when Dan Levitard was getting
3: mm.
0: <coughs> excuse me, and and somebody tried to equate what I had done with what Levitard had done because I had always had
1: oh I remember that a
0: dinner at dinner with with fans with lawyers. I mean, one year one of the guys whose law firm uh, handled the um, one of the big. Was uh, it Whitewater? The big explosion? Yeah, yeah the, the big uh, big explosion off the
1: Gulf. Oh, the Deepwater Horizon oh. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Deepwater
0: Horizon. Event one
1: Horizon? What? No, that's a Yeah, one year one of the guys
0: who showed up <laughs> in the <laughs> land firm that handled <laughs> the again that year, and he just played the deck. So I'm pay. And he goes, no, oh, no, guys, I have dinner today. Like, today I just closed the books. And you can just imagine how many of dollars they made defending, you know, that case. Uh, we, uh, we always had a lot of guys, somewhere up to a dozen. And we kept Facebook
2: them. And the reason
0: I always held those was because, and I never fed them, it was because I really believe that there are some fans who know baseball as well as I do, who care about baseball and baseball history as well as I do. And I shared the moment. It was still my talent. I decided who, who went in. But we had debates. We had discussions. And, and I kind of laughed of grief. Over I remember that. Because, and somebody,
3: because somebody wanted to take a shot at me. And I'll be honest with you, it's
0: I ate it, I kept my mouth shut, and just ate it until I saw that person that was talking all that trash. And she was playing an open part of my businesses to this day. So I was going to beat the shit out of that guy. <laughs> and he finally just walked away. And I'm never going to name any
3: names,
0: but I, I I, kept my anger to myself and ate it. When I saw that guy, I made it clear to him that, his, that what he did wasn't cool,
1: and we were going to pretend we were friends, and if I had to kick his ass, I was ready. To. <laughs> and you're from Compton. You'd totally do it. Yeah you know and, and, and you should have
3: seen Jim Crane's face in both quarters safe. they're like what just happened here
1: <laughs> so um, I want to ask you a, a couple of and I really appreciate you being candid about the whole process of the Hall of Fame because it's I don't know it's I <clears throat> I don't I'm, I, I try not to bring it up uh, too much I feel I'm afraid that I do it too much, too often as it is but I used to work. I worked there for three years, and I, I always wanted to go to one of your dinners, but it it just ne- the timing never worked out. Um, but I appreciate, and it just I know that that other people that work there appreciated like how seriously you took it, and even the dinner that you had, and in, involving the fans in the discussion, not necessarily in how you filled out your ballot, but that was that was very much appreciated, and I I hope you know that. Um, but uh, kind of moving on from the and basically. Basically, though, we're gonna we're gonna harass people online and get mad online if Bagwell doesn't get in, and and I'm gonna publicly shame. We're both Pat and I are gonna publicly shame the the writers that don't vote for Bagwell. Oh,
2: it'll no, I will be livid if he doesn't get in this year. I, I think he's trending too, and I really do do think he does. But I will I will it will be a fire if uh, if Jeff Bagwell does not get in the Hall of Fame this year.
1: <coughs> yeah, no, it's yeah, it, it better happen or heads has literally my role. Um, How are you liking... So you moved from from Houston to St. Louis. Boo. boo. Um, How are you liking St. Louis?
0: I like it. It's really growing on me. Um, It's been a difficult move for the family. Um, You know, I I lived in Houston for 15 years. Um, My three daughters were born there. Uh, Most of my married time was there. Um, My wife and I... No, let me rephrase that. All my marriage time was there. Uh, my wife and I met in New York, and we we were dating when I moved to Houston, and then we got married about a year later, and then she moved up. So, you know, I got married. married. And, and uh, you know, it's hard for me to this day to see tweets... Or Facebook messages from their teachers because we are very active in our schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's tough It's tough when you know, you know, you live in Kingwood and you guys know, know Kingwood schools are amazing.
3: Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're active in practice. So it's been difficult because you, you leave
0: a place that you would very, very entrenched. Um, but with that said, uh, the Flintlist Post Dispatch is probably one of the most respected split in terms of the baseball club, which is in America. There is something that could be a lead columnist, of a paper that cares so much about baseball. But yeah. first of uh, all, it was a big problem. Um, it was quite flattering to be approached by them. They completely came out of blue. I didn't expect it. Um, but they made me the type of offer that you just can't,
1: you just can't turn down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You guys
3: know how the newspaper industry works and what the
0: pays. And, and, uh, and I, I love living in Houston. I a I great mean, living at Chronicle. The Chronicle is one of the best newspapers in the country.
3: <laughs>
0: so I went from being a baseball writer and a uh, soccer writer to being a lead columnist, and I couldn't pass it up. you know. I had a,
2: uh, I had a similar question and uh but not exactly the same I-, I wanted to know how how hard is it to to acclimate to to new markets and, and the fan bases you know given that there's drastic differences in the the cultures of certain teams i.e the the cardinals culture from, coming from astros and you know you've been all over so like how how is it acclimating to to getting to know the the fan base and how they handle stuff
0: well, it's it's pretty funny because anybody who's lived in Houston, I always used to refer to Houston as the biggest small town in America, <laughs> because nobody has that it has that hometown small town feel to And I just you know, I was born and raised in LA, LA County, uh, Compton, and you know that um, I worked in New York for three years before I moved to Houston. So, in mean, comparison to LA and New York, Houston seemed like a small town to me. And then I moved to St. Louis, and it was a shock in that sense because this is a very political town. Uh, and they, you know, here they ask where you went high school. Hmm. they that's, that's a it's, it's almost a, an inside joke and they care like in Houston you know unless you still live in your little area nobody gives a address if you went to Kingwood High or Katie or whatever
1: Sam Rayburn uh, <laughs> Sam Rayburn High School right you know,
0: here you know what I'm saying like, like very few people care like if you go if you go to business function among Houston people they're gonna ask your, your, and um, you know, they care about that. In California, there's so many people from everywhere, and nobody cared. Nobody cared. Like you, you're, you're in, big in New York the same way. Like you're in New York, nobody cares. So, you know, they care about high and uh, and everybody. Who, all the people I've talked to who reached out to kind of help me adjust here say, "Hey, you know, it'll take you a few years, um, mm. but after a while, they'll they'll get used to you, and and you'll be okay." So I'm still waiting. I'm, I'm still in that period, and and because I covered the Astros, and because, because some fans don't realize that I'm a journalist not a fan.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah, that's you know, that's I, very important.
0: Like people people get really upset uh if I tweet anything about the Astros. But I am not keep in touch. I'm not asking what to do with so havoc there. And one of the things I I'm, uh, I'm will continue to be because I've been gone a year. with that said. I still have very close friends. I try not to break stories on the Astros because that's not my job. Yeah. And I'm struggling enough trying to get used to St. Louis. But with that said, I still keep in touch with Astros fans. And when I have an opinion on the Astros, I'll share it. I'm not trying to point news because I'm not there. And it'd be silly to even try to do that when, you know, the guy like Miami Tech has that cover. But I care. I care about my fans, my friends who are fans of the actors, and therefore, I will give my opinion from time to time.
2: Good man.
3: Right. The
0: city, it's two great seasons and baseball. In Houston baseball history. So, yeah, from time to time, when Carlos Beltran re signed with the Astros, I sent Jeff Luno a text congratulating him on a great signing because I know what Beltran means uh, to baseball. I know what he'll mean to that clubhouse. And I sincerely believe that it's going to be a huge, huge benefit for years to come. To that organization because of what Jose Altuve, because of what Carlos Corral and every entrepreneur, pregnant everybody's going to learn from Carlos Beltran. Carlos Beltran is the Roberto Clemente of our
1: time. Holy crap!
2: Whoa! Yeah, I, I yeah I agree.
0: I I had two people who were part of the CBA negotiations. Okay who were inside those rooms, inside the boards. And I don't think, and I wrote a column, but the only one I wrote a column about what I thought was a watershed moment in the history of Latinos in sports in America. Because Carlos Beltran almost single-handedly rallied Latino ballplayers to care about the collective bargaining agreement and not only care, to show up to Dallas. really mm-hmm. together to and express their opinions. <laughs> they, they be real, very fast, that we don't that that does not happen if Carlos Deltron doesn't care. And it doesn't affect Puerto Ricans. Puerto Ricans are already part of the draft.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: But Beltran showed up. He said he told the board. He told someone. How the draft affected him as a Puerto Rican. Because, you know, Puerto Ricans used to not be in the draft. And how much money that may have cost him. So, so if you think about that, um, I just hope that people in to realize
2: how much he's going to mean to that team for decades. Yeah, you know, and I, <coughs> I, uh, I don't know how much you can speak on this specifically, but I know a lot of the fan base can, you know, considered him a. a a traitor, and he was all hated here for years, but uh, it's come to light lately that it, he was saying that it, it was all Drayton McClain that uh, that kind of ruined that that deal there, and also the money to the Mets was something that, like you going to St. Louis, you've you got to do what's best for you, $7 million more, or whatever it is, you go, you take that money, but... Um, I don't think he's as evil as uh, portrayed by the majority of the fan base here. Would you agree with that? Not that he's evil, but you know what I mean. He's not like this traitor that they were hiding out in Puerto Rico with Boris, like, plotting against us, (laughs) like people think. Listen, and this
0: is going to sound very self-serving, very full of myself, but... Do it. Okay. I broke that story. I learned yeah. on that story from the time from the time the Met showed up to Puerto Rico to okay for the first time. Very few people know this. Okay. On Christmas Eve, 2004, I have a nine gentleman for the Mets the time. Just send a him and
3: gives me a
0: uh, he uh, uh, okay, so, uh, I'm And i i my father-in-law, remember, my and my brother-in-law were driving there both to the front seat. My wife and my mother-in-law had gone up ahead of us in another town. Oh, and, and I said, sure, what do you, what do you have done with He says, I'm doing some research. I'm calling it back I'm like, oh, what do you mean? And he says, <clears throat> what kind of a player is he Do you
3: think he could have him in New York?
0: And remember, I went to in New York for three years. And I said, he could definitely have in New York. And I, uh, I always remember the last question. The last question I was, I uh, said, so um, I keep hearing that he wouldn't play in New York. And I said, who said that? And there were reports. And he said, you know, some you tell me to talk
3: to the are the reporters Puerto Rican? He goes, no, no, no. He goes, Englishman no, likes no, reporters. No. And I said, listen, and they were
0: there, Tyke. I said, I've yet to meet a Puerto Rican who doesn't like New York, or a Mexican who doesn't like LA. He will play in New York. And this is like a 45 minute sky. I it was, it was, to me, and
3: then good. So I had sources, I sourced in New York, I
0: sourced in Houston, I sourced with that. and <laughs> Lexus Nexus. All of this, you would find out the day I wrote that the Mets had gone and met with Carlos Beltran. Much of my competition, because we were competing with New York New York papers at the time. Yeah. wrote that the Mets were about to go meet with Carlos Beltran. The meeting had already happened. I wrote, and this is before Twitter. Right. So you only found out what the guys wrote at midnight or the next morning. So they were essentially a, a, a day behind.
1: Yeah.
0: And and I, I'm trying to stay out of trouble. I really am. So nope. I nope. Embrace it. Come theater, on. But, but somebody on the radio in Houston claimed that the Mets weren't interested.
2: That well, the Houston, Houston Radio, interested you, that, you know very well that there's very few very few reliable sources on the radio. I could Maybe one or two that I respect. That's it. But go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: Well, whatever. Um, and I think a lot of people in Houston believe that. And every day I even Drayton McClain did not believe it. I wrote what the Mets had opened their offer with. Drayton McClain called me. <laughs> wow, okay. This pretty is much, crazy. Pretty much yelled at me and says, Ah, uh, all that like he gave me like the, the, the typical like condescending Jesus, you have to understand all that glitters is in gold and I'm thinking, What the He's, hell does that wait, have to do with it? Like he, he oh thought my God. that I was doing the bidding for Boris.
1: Oh man! By,
0: by oh, this is amazing. Had, like, and it was so funny because another reporter, national reporter I respect, had heard that the Mets had started their offer with one twenty-one, and mine was something. Hey, it's been eleven years, okay? So I almost, almost twelve years. Yeah, twelve. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Eleven years and eleven months. So it's hard to remember, like, the exact figures, but somebody wrote that the Mets open at 120, so there's a huge discrepancy. And, uh, and, and I was telling my bosses who my sources were. Because remember, you, you wouldn't remember probably, but the negotiations started, like, on January 2nd. So there was a six-day sprint to sign Beltran or lose negotiation rights. Right. I don't know if you remember that, but January 8th was the day. There was an old collective bargaining agreement that said you had to whatever. <clears throat> so so we're going here, and some of Houston believe that, that the Mets weren't really truly in it. The Mets believe that Beltron and Boris were just waiting them out. So he could go to the Yankees, if that's where you preferred to go. Mm. And the Astros
3: thought they had it in the bag. Mm. And here I am. The, I, God is my witness, I, to this
0: day, I still believe that I'm the only one that, that on January 8th talked to Boris, Drayden McClain, huh. and people in the
2: Mets negotiations that day.
1: That's crazy.
2: This is amazing. Yeah. yeah, this is this is great.
1: Like I have I have a question that that sort of relates, but I don't I don't want to kill the momentum here. So
2: no, I yeah I I'm. This is tell this is tell us of, t- tell stuff. us other
1: tell it uh, tell us other cool stories, Uncle Uncle Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so um... at, a,
0: at eleven o'clock, Bri- Brian McTaggart went down to <laughs> Minute Maid Park. I stayed at home working the phones in my office in Kingwood. in my house my upstairs essentially the fourth bedroom in my house was the the office and I'm up there making phone calls and finally like at 11.02 I speak to Drayden McClain and Drayden says we didn't sign him he's going to the Mets and I said what do you mean? he goes Scott Boris told me he's going to the Mets and we put it out there <coughs> online and if you go back to LexisNexis every paper that covered that story that day <coughs> said Carlos Beltran is going to the Mets according to the Houston Chronicle
3: hmm.
0: Yes. And then, and then like 20 minutes later I talked to Boris he confirmed it, so I had two people. I had the Mets. Um, I went. I, God, this like a, brings back amazing memories because I didn't even crap that day. <laughs> and after I filed, after I filed, I went and uh, and I had a water burger. And and this was before Kingwood had a water burger. Now you have a water there. I don't know how much you know about Kingwood, but I had to go to the Waterburger, and because um, I wanted a Waterburger, I didn't want
3: you know I, Trash I just wanted a Waterburger,
0: yeah, so I right. went
2: to the Waterburger on 59 um, in Humble <laughs> and uh, That's a drive and and, yeah. and I'm coming home
0: and I get a call from Drayton McClain and uh, and he, he tells me he's like how do you think the fans are going to take it and I said, you tried your best, you know. <laughs> and he had told me, like, hey. Miss Elizabeth had baked a cake, a chocolate cake. <laughs> and I have a whole chapter in my book about those negotiations.
3: <laughs>
0: but I always, always argued that Donald Trump wasn't a bad guy. And I always got grief on Twitter when I said, hey, he was open. And in the very next quarter. Of
2: course. He, I, and that's what – and I didn't mean to cut you off there. I, I apologize for that. But he had one of the greatest playoff runs of all time. He killed the ball here. There was no way that he wasn't happy playing baseball here. And and that's kind of what I never understood about the whole situation. That's why it was kind of baffling to a lot of fans. It's like, uh, why don't you like this? We, uh, You know, you – Go to the the NLCS and then you win the pennant the next year. Like, what's the deal?
0: Well, and and think about this. Okay, a lot of people they forget that he had no reason
2: to be loyal to Houston. Right. Well, of course, but it he should really be an option Houston, based on how he played and how the team was. I, to, yeah. He,
0: he. He showed up to Houston. He gave Houston everything he had. He was a class player. Houston had never
3: had. Mm-hmm.
0: He did what he came out. do. He played the Randy Johnson. Came here, delivered. Yeah. Randy Johnson came here, delivered.
3: Yep.
0: And then you go, you go, and you know you you get your money. And if Jordan McClane had given them the same contract,
2: he'd probably here. Yeah, uh-huh. Bill, He didn't feel like the rental that Randy Johnson was. Right. Randy Johnson was a clear cut rental. Beltron, I I get that he was, but there was also that that hope of of re signing him.
1: Would Would you uh? Jesus, would you agree that, and Pat and I have talked about this uh, on numerous occasions, I, I believe that we are of the firm opinion that the 2004 team that did not win the pennant was by far better than the 2005 team that did. Yep. Uh, do you, would you agree with that? Is that? Are we wrong? Uh, I
0: would <laughs> agree with you as far as the lineup. As far as the, the lineup was uh, way better I mean you have Jeff Kitt
3: Mm -hmm. at
0: second you have Vigio in in left field Um, you had a healthier
2: Jeff Bagwell at first Mm -hmm. he could could throw across the uh, infield then did you know that (laughs) (laughs) huh I, I said he could throw across the infield at that point
1: that was fun
0: no, he no, he could not he couldn't
1: No he could I nah, know I'm sorry. To, Go ahead. No, on, yeah, my bad. no
0: but, but but what I'm saying is you had Carlos Beltran in center field. I love Willie Tavares. But you know, we are talking about Carlos Beltran versus Willie Tavares in center field. You had Lance Berkman and right. Yep. I love boy at first.
2: And Berkman
1: and right
2: instead of Berkman at first. Yeah. Well, hey, was not to stop the momentum of the lineup thing, but do you think that baseball has changed in the fact that now teams are more they're more likely to play with the lineup and say like the Cubs do, or maybe like the Astros are going to do this next season? And oh, I'm playing right today, third tomorrow blah, 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 those Astros teams were kind of set in stone, and they didn't they didn't move around the pieces like they maybe could have, like they do today. Do you think it was just a different game then, and that's just what it was?
0: Well, those Astros actually did move them around a little bit. But
2: a little bit, yeah.
0: But keep in mind, listen, I covered the Cardinals this last year. Well, I didn't cover the Cardinals. I was the columnist here. And the Cardinals moved around the pieces. Yeah. They moved him more than the Cubs did. But it only works if you have good pieces
1: to move. Mm, that's right.
0: true. You know, it's real easy to move Chris Bryant from third to left. There's not going to be a drop-off in either one of them. It's real right. easy to say, oh, you know, Javi Baez, we're going to play you in second today.
3: You know what
1: I mean? Yeah, it's not. It's yeah, not, for sure. It's not Orlando. Your Orlando Palmero's left field, and then he's Thank first you. base. He's God. it's my. It's not Mike. It's it's Chris Bryant and Javier Baez. It's not Mike Lamb and Orlando Palmero. Right.
2: But I you mean, for I mean, I back. was talking. I mean, it was more specifically Berkman, and I know that he wasn't like the worst outfielder ever. But there was just they could have moved around some stuff, <laughs> and it might have worked. Ah, whatever. It's all. It doesn't matter at this point. Yeah, move, move on. Today. Move on from this. <laughs> M- move point. So, if you
0: guys ask questions. I'm
2: just here to answer. So, well, so okay. I was gonna shift. I'm sorry, James. I was gonna shift it. Well, do you, James? Do you have some? Do you have something important uh, baseball wise? Because I was gonna shift gears, but I will before he he goes off. If you wanna, if you wanna finish off with some thoughts.
1: Yeah, I wanna. I wanna ask a, a quick baseball question. Now that you're a, a year removed from from the Astros. Um, and, and you obviously care about the game of baseball. And as a columnist in St. Louis, which has the trademark best fans in baseball, boo. Um, <laughs> do do you feel are, are the Astros in a better position at this moment than they were in two thousand four? Is it about the same? Like do do you feel having covered the team for so long and been in Houston for so long, but now sort of stepping back for for twelve months? Are the Astros better now than the? Is this is this the the rise of the Astros, or is this a potential stumbling block for the Astros as an organization? No, no,
0: the the, the Astros are on the rise. Um, well, this is a tough question because I think the Astros and the Cubs are going to be your next. Two dynasties. The only problem.
1: Nipples are hard.
0: And and pitching, you know, if if Tycho's healthy, if McCullers is healthy, they're, they're they're gonna be really good. But if you want to compare them to 2004 and 2005, yeah. The two thousand four team had two pitchers. Yep.
3: Berkman and I mean but what am I talking about? I had two listeners.
0: The two thousand five team had one batter carry them, Berkman, and the pitching staff. Mm hmm. Remember I mean it was it was hey everybody get on my back. Bulkman said I carry us to the Wall Series. Just the pictures that did it up. Where you have Clama Pettit And then you have
1: damage. And then you
0: know you have the group and like dirty stuff. The actually had Oswald and Clama.
1: Yep. Pettit was injured. Pettit yeah, freaking Pettit's Elbow. That's what I that's what I blame two thousand four on is Pettit's Elbow.
0: Right. And um, so but it has the lineup. My case reminds be more of 2004 than it does. It's a younger version of 2004. I don't know if that makes sense. No.
1: Uh, yeah, it does.
0: Maybe. Because you have, you know, you have, if current short, you have Arturo and Saka. And those two
3: guys are studs. Yep.
0: Um, you know, you got the the Cuban kid, Guriel. Is he going to play third,
1: or where is he going to play? He's going to be at first, is what it yeah, looks like. Yeah, he'll be at first. So then you
0: have Bregman at third, right? Yep. So you know, that's that's as far as young talent. That's right up there with the Cubs right now.
1: Think
0: about that. Yeah. Then you have Springer. You yeah. I would say that
1: that's the best lineup outside of the Cubs. Do they have the Do they have the pitching to back it up? Or are they gonna Are they gonna win games that's fifteen
0: to twelve? two thousand four. That's when they reminded me of that's why They have
1: uh-huh.
3: hmm. two studs.
0: Yeah. Oh I agree with that
2: could be solid. If they had three studs, I'd tell you that's the best Astros K-98.
1: I'm, uh, yeah. I'm ready to run through a brick wall. Like, I'm going I'm to do so, it.
2: No, I'm, uh, everybody's excited. Uh, I mean, there's random people in bars that normally would be talking about the mediocre Texans or whatnot, and everybody's like, you know what I'm really excited about is the 2017 Astros, and uh, I'm one of them. Yeah, I, it's the hype is real.
1: All right, Pat. Oh, uh-huh. hey,
2: Pat,
1: ask your, qu- oh, yeah, well, ask your question.
2: Yeah, this is a complete left turn. I was going to ask you. Uh, I know. I know you covered the Dynamo when you were here, and uh, and, and and MLS and all that. I was going to. Uh, I, well, number one, was that the worst MLS Cup final that you've ever watched? It was. It was pretty bad. Last night. That's
0: so horrible. That's so horrible. And I will tell you what. Uh, my family started cheering for um, for Toronto last
1: night. <laughs> Canadians. And, uh, and the reason the reason they were cheering was because Michael Bradley's uncle is a good friend of mine. Oh, Sharon really?
0: Bradley used to cover baseball in New York. And uh, and sure enough, Michael Bradley misses the penalty. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, he that did. Yeah, that's Toronto dominated. uh it's the type of game that if
2: you next chapter you watch it that uh, if you're trying to grow the sport that's not going to start just like going that was really cool. yeah it, it's it's hard to watch it really is and and that brings me to my next question how do you feel about American soccer going forward uh, with Bruce Arena and at least in in the interim as as the coach, um, do we have any chance to be a good soccer country ever? We are a good soccer
3: country. We are
0: a good
1: soccer country. Debatable. <laughs> Disagree, but all right. I'm yeah, interested.
2: The, no uh, midfield, no back line. Literally the worst. But that's okay. There's like <laughs> there's a couple of good players. I. Plissick, and a Miami, couple of guys. There's a couple of guys. Right
0: now, they won some tournaments. Would you say, would you say that Mips a good soccer country? Uh,
1: Mexico, yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, it's up and down, but they have superstars that emerge. We don't have superstars that emerge, and that's my problem with, with developing talent uh, here. We
0: don't develop talent. But also, my point is, that six years ago, hell, four years ago, you would argue that the U.S. was ahead of Mexico.
1: Yeah.
0: I would. Right? Yeah. Me- Mexico needed a U.S. to let us just to advance to when Charlie, they say, well, so
1: they're, they're proud. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, I
0: think the U.S. back. Uh, I think we're not in a better place than we were six years ago. I think we're actually. We didn't appreciate we as, as American soccer fans did not appreciate how good Bob Bradley was as a coach.
2: Yeah, no, I no, I, I totally completely agree. agree with that.
0: Americans, for some reason, love accents, love the, for their soccer coaches. Like, if you if you sound
3: like an Englishman, if you sound like a Mexican, yeah, if you sound like a German,
0: well, damn it, you must know soccer better than the American coach. All uh, right. If you look at MLS, if you look at Bradley Arena, you need Americans to understand the American player. I wrote this once in the Chronicle, and somebody thought it was racist, when I pointed out how Africans play a certain style. the Americans play a certain style. Your appearance, playful play style. And if, if you never not watch soccer, that sounds kind uh, of racist almost. Yeah. And I had to explain to you later, let me know that your style is soccer. Some of them are athletic, some of them are creative. You know, they're zigzagging soccer. We do.
2: piggyback off the American culture thing, I would think that there'd be guys that played, that we are a uh, a me society, we are a show-off society, that there would be guys with crazy ball control that create and can do some stuff. We have literally the worst first touches in ball control in the world. Well, not in the world, because there's terrible countries, but it's awful. We, we cannot create one-on-one. There's maybe one or two players. I, I would think that our culture would would encourage that kind of play that stylistic tricks and creating one-on-one that kind of stuff. And they don't. And I don't know if it's just the the talent pool and people aren't playing. It's just, it's very frustrating to be a country this large and to not have any kind of prospects. There's a few guys coming up, but it's, it's very disconcerting.
1: That's my thing. We, we have 320 million people in this country. We can't find 11 guys to run with Ghana. How is that possible? And don't give me the, they're all playing basketball or they're all playing football. That's bullcrap.
2: Yeah, there's money to be made in soccer. Like you, I, I just, yeah, I don't get it either. Let me, I really don't. Let,
0: let, me, let me try to explain this, okay? Why our first touches are so bad. Because we are bad? Because Is that the answer? <laughs> Americans. Because okay. our soccer style, you, you, look, you look at when, and, and I'm very involved in soccer. You know, I coach soccer. Um, I played soccer, um, and you, you look at American teams or national teams. We tend, and I was good friends with guys. You know, Brian Ching and I are working on bringing a, a, a camp here to St. Louis. Sweet, where they're Not, doing yeah, awesome. um, But if you look at how we pick the best players in the U.S., we always pick the fastest kids. We always pick the strongest, tallest kids. Some would argue that Lionel Messi would have never
2: thrived in the U.S. That's true. Okay, come on. Wait a second here. He would have been hacked to death. Wait a second second here, guys. I understand the point, but we're talking about messi here no 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 like,
1: no no i i agree i'm the i'm i'm messi. the freshman I'm the, he the freshman
2: would have needed. ripped through oh my landon donovan thrived here if messi can't thrive here then jesus
1: Not, come on no 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 i i agree i'm the freshman coach at our high, uh, Look freshman boys soccer small coach messi is uh, who Look cares messi is
2: there, I, well I just on that particular player, I highly disagree. He's so skilled that it, I, I think it's just irrelevant. He's Altuve of soccer. It doesn't matter. It's just he's you
0: think, the best. You think even you think even we as Americans
2: could have screwed that one up? Oh, we could. Yeah. Oh, you're saying so we could we would have screwed him up, well, not a, him like yeah, not him playing that's, like that's he plays. My argument. Okay. 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 Then I'm completely off base here. My bad.
1: No. 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 I'm the freshman soccer coach at our freshman boys soccer coach at our high
2: school. And you and, and you'd cut Messi, and then we'd all hate you forever.
1: I wouldn't. I wouldn't cut Messi, but but it would take it would take a couple months of like scrimmages and practices to be like, okay, holy crap, that dude's got something because I want my defense to be tall and strong and and more physically advanced than my opponent. And now I'll be honest, my central midfielder, uh, going into this season is like four foot nine, uh, because he's got a pretty good touch on the ball. But, but I think overall, and I think Messi may help change the perception there, but, uh, yeah, if you're if you are under because the way but, that America- there's a
2: lot there's Chicharito there's there's so many guys that are undersized that that that, no, can, but, that can play.
1: But we're a country that values <laughs> size.
2: But that doesn't That's- help. Look at look at that. Altidore should have Chicharito, blown up Chicharito, and he's just Chicharito, too big. He's like he's like five Benteke. He nine. can't they're just too big and I, I don't know, man. I I I just I don't like it.
0: Chicharito's 5'9", 5'10". Messi is like five foot four.
2: Yeah, yeah, he's sneaky. He can just like dip in and out. No, Nobody the sees him. But
0: no, he's the best soccer player in the world. My argument, is, my point is that in the U.S. we
2: prefer bigger, faster, stronger.
1: We want LeBron,
2: and, and I think we, could we get, but I, and to, I think we could get that if we had people that would. Commit to playing the game. I think we could get some just freak athletes playing. They just don't.
1: I think. I think it, that's where U.S. I, soccer steps in. If U.S. Soccer came in and said, and and there was a kid- inner
2: cities, man, well, everywhere. That's where. That's where all the greatest players in the world thrive from is playing inner city soccer all over the world, and we have none in our inner well, cities.
1: Get Suno Galati to to find a kid that's thinking about maybe playing football and sign him to a to a 10 million dollar contract to focus exclusively on soccer and that's where it starts
2: because yeah you need one before, guy that gets, you need that one makes you, it, need, and you, then you need to be like yeah.
1: that one dude from Houston or that one dude from Atlanta who was thinking about playing football you the United States Soccer Federation gave him 10 million dollars to not do those things and focus exclusively on soccer and that's where the narrative changes
0: But uh, listen uh, the Tim Hanley the goalkeeper's coach San Jose Earthquakes, who was the goalkeeper's coach for the Dynamo, uh, is a good friend of mine. And uh, he would be my sounding board uh, when my daughter was playing for Challenges' top team her age in the city. Like, all the best kids in the city her age. right? Like, and they were going, like, and she's young, she's just turned 13, but at 11, 12, they were literally traveling to the southwest
2: for tournaments against the top nice. teams. Yeah, that g- that's crazy stuff. I I have uh, I have friends that are involved in that and that's that's some intense yeah, that's hard tournament time. tournament football to be honest with you. Yeah.
0: So, but and he would tell me, uh, you know, he's like, "Hey, just just make sure your daughter's happy. It doesn't matter where she's playing, especially at that age, they have to be happy." But he also pointed out that soccer players are born. They're not made. Mm. So you could spend all your money trying to, you know, like you get these people, and, and he would always say, look at the mom, look at the dad. You get these people who pay lots of money to have their kids play soccer. And you look at the mom, and she's not very athletic. You look at the dad; he's not very athletic. No, much,
3: no matter how much money you put in, your genes are your genes. Yep.
0: I, yeah. I have. I, I play, and you have to touch the ball all the time. You cannot start kicking the ball at sixteen and become a world class soccer player.
3: Mm-hmm. No, that that's
0: true. Is your touch starts at a very young age? My. My daughter, who's 13, she was striking the ball well with her left foot at seven. And you had the, the Tomball coach now, uh, who was the academy coach for the challenge uh, when she was a Kingwood coach. She was Kingwood high school coach. And she asked my daughter, she says, are you left-footed? She says, no, I'm right-footed. But I had my daughter uh, working on left-footed shooting. At like five I have a seven year old here who, because of my move, i coached her and then 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 last year she played u as a
2: as a u seven she played u nine academy nice but see you're doing, you're doing the things that our dads did for, at least for me for baseball I was a really really good soccer player i was a prolific goal scorer and i quit to go play baseball and and basketball because those were cool and i soccer may have been my best sport but my dad taught me to bat left-handed not kick left-handed so it's i think it's a culture thing too don't you or it's just is it parent yeah. by parent and household and culture by culture and it's just it is what it is i just
0: i just think it's what's important for you i mean like i love soccer i played soccer um, my my wife played softball my middle child is a softball player and we work with them in the backyard and my well my wife does and catches her she's a pitcher and you know I have seven ten and thirteen year old daughters and it's all about having having them do what they want you know I coach all three of my daughters in soccer the middle ones says I'm done not interested uh, they nice. you have to do what you're happy with but you know my my seven-year-old, she came to St. Louis. We didn't know anything. I didn't want to invest in any of the clubs yet, because I wanted to see yeah. what it was about here first. And We registered my daughter for rec. Like she played U9 Academy in, in Houston, but we registered in rec because we wanted her to hopefully start making you know, friends from her neighborhood. And she joined the team that last year won no games and this year won the championship they actually do a little end of season championship tournament which is different than Houston where like at that age it's like hey everybody get your tournament get your you know participation trophies. We'll <laughs> she on went that. from she, she went from joining a, a team that, that had not won a game last year to to they only lost one game this year and they won their, their regular season championship and their tournament championship. And like today, like in the last game, she scored seven goals. But God dang, I'm trying. To, I'm trying to tell her like like you, you, I'm working with her with her left foot, and it's so funny because she was missing a lot of goals because I never had the time in the move to start working with her with her left. And I, I was noticing that she was missing a lot of shots, a lot of goals, because she was at the wrong angle. She didn't know, like, the angle that, you know, whatever. So so I started working with her, with her left foot, like, literally, like, a month ago. And <laughs> her first game, she scored with her left. <laughs> and my wife texted me, and I forget where I was. I thought it was the World Series. She text messaged me and she said, Oh, Sydney just scored with her left. And uh, and then afterwards the coach told Sydney, Wow, you scored with your left. Did you notice? And Sydney turns to him and says, Which one's my left? <laughs> 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 like, you know, and, and and my whole point being that hopefully in time she knows like with the repetition and I, I just had her out there and, and I have these drills am shooting with your right, shooting with your left and I'm teaching her about hips, you know, like open hips, closed hips, you know, that whole soccer stuff that that are crucial. So, so I'm, I'm just teaching her with her angles and like, this is, this is what shot you take and hopefully like within a year, at this age, it's real easy to teach them. Uh, at 10, 11, if they don't have it, it'll never feel natural to them. Yeah. But at this age, I get her and, and she strikes where they're left. And I incentivize her. You know, I, you know she, during the regular season, if she, if she does cuts and turns and moves that we worked
2: on in a game, I'll give her five bucks.
1: Nice.
2: <laughs> if, oh bribery. You know, nice. Excellent work. That's that's the way to do it. But that's
0: the only way you're going to do it in in America, and unfortunately, we we tend to pick our teams based
3: on the most athletic, and sometimes you'll skip kids. Yep. Who have
2: great soccer IQs. Yeah, the IQ. That's that. where we're lacking. I completely agree with that. Is the. <laughs> Well, well,
1: Jesus, sounds like
2: sounds like we're doomed.
1: Yeah, we're screwed. You
2: aren't. You and your girls are going to go, and and then the U.S. will continue to win gold medals and dominate. But our men will be destroyed,
1: and and your daughters can make half of what a failed U.S. men's national team will make. And no,
2: they're they're equal in the pay. I think they're 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 on the come up. They're on the come up. We'll see. Well, so, what I,
0: what what we don't what the women here don't understand is that they have all the advantages compared to the other women in the rest of the world. So, where we're behind the rest of the world in men. Um, the rest ahead. of the world is yeah.
1: behind us in women. Yeah, our, our, our women are like the Brazil of the, uh, <laughs> men's, men's game. Right. So, well, thank you so much. Uh, we, we, uh, I, I've held you, we, we've held you past when, when you said you kind of needed to ring off. so, I, we very much appreciate your time taking us down memory lane and nostalgia and wishing for 2004 and wish that Pettit's elbow in 2004 could have been held together a little bit, maybe more with, with chewing gum and, like, chicken wire and whatnot. But uh, thank you so much for your time. It's been It's been a lot of fun. I really appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Have a wonderful night.
1: You too. Thank you. you. Good luck you this season same. covering the Cardinals and their terrible fans.
0: Yep. Well, I tell you what, we'll bad bad be people. There in spring training. Hopefully,
2: we, we'll be close by in spring training, so hopefully we could visit. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, that'd be ideal. Take care, guys. Have a good night. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jesus.
0: But it's one thing I love more: to getting my pitch over the plate, and that is getting over this plate in casa ole. ole. It's like a fiesta in casa ole. ole! Casa Ole, fresh today, every day. Get a free child's play. We use ticket stuff from any
3: Astros game.
0: Casa Ole, Ole. fresh today, (laughs) Ole.